because he was alive. His successor, his, his successor is dead. His son is dead. Then whenever God splits the Red Sea, 
takes his people across. Pharaoh goes into the sea. You know, in the movie, The Ten Commandments, he went back to the house, went back to the palace. But that's not the way it happened in the Bible. He went into the sea and God closed it up. God legally freed Israel out of the slavery. Because, because God knows to take the, the one that has got him enslaved and the son who is the successor. And as soon as the successor is dead, they are completely freed. The contract is ripped up. They are free. They do not belong to Egypt anymore. I want to tell you today that God has killed what is trying to reign over you. And he's, he's even killed the next generation of things that would slave over or that would keep you enslaved. You are free. I, all I can see is this blue-faced Mel, what's his name, Gibson, riding his horse before the, the line of people who didn't have a chance and saying, freedom! And I think by three of you got that. Before you sit down, would you turn around and tell somebody hello, give a high five? It's a good day. It's a good day. We, we appreciate you guys being here. Once again, I want to thank you. I want to thank our online presence as well. Um, we appreciate everybody that uh, finds themselves in a place to say, I want to go, I want to worship our God, and I want to see what he's doing in me. And so um, Pastor Lynette is not here this morning. She is preaching in um, Texas this morning preaching at a cowboy church down there. She went to do a conference for them. And um, I've heard that it is, things are happening down there in that church. So um, anyways, be praying for her. She flies back in tonight. Um, I have not been eating well since she left. Um, I've had, a, I've eat a lot of hot dogs. I'm trying, I'm, I'm finding new things to do with hot dogs. Um, but there's nothing better than a good old dog with mustard. I'm getting hungry now. Um, no, it's, it's good to see you guys this morning. It's good for you to be here. 
This morning we've got a special um, uh, guest speaker. No, he's not really a guest speaker. He's here all the time. But um, I know that what he has to bring today has been birthing, uh, conceiving on the inside of him so that he can birth a new place for us this morning. I think we're going to a new level this morning. So um, CW is my, my firstborn spiritual son. And um, man, what a, what a powerhouse. Um, he is breaking the ceiling above us because he gets to stand on my shoulders and, and break that ceiling. And I'm looking forward to us going into a new realm today. How about you? Amen. So would you all give a welcome this morning to C.W. Wegley? Love you, brother. I to step on Thank you, guys. Thank you, Pastor. Oh, man, God's good. Amen. Um, you know, as Pastor is saying, like, standing on his shoulders, let me tell you something. It's a tall tall order to stand up on his shoulders and uh the foundation that our pastor set for us is amazing and um i can only imagine what's happening down there at the church with pastor lynette uh speaking um things are happening things are changing shifts are happening um it is it is so good um yeah um so a couple things real quick I didn't know how I was going to do this or not, but um, when I was putting this message together, um, I really felt this strongly. Um, I'll go back, just back up just a second. So a couple, uh, maybe even six to eight months ago, uh, I felt impressed. Randy Clark had said one time, before service you start speaking that there's going to be healings, there's going to be deliverances happening during service, right? You start speaking that because our words are the seed, so we start breaking the atmosphere with prophetic word, with prophetic seed, right? So right now, in the name of Jesus, we're going to say that right in here today, as the word of God is spoken, as the word of God is read from up here, that there's going to be healings happening today. It doesn't always have to be an altar call, but we did this. I said that I was saying eight, six to eight months ago, we did this at a worship night. Um, I felt led to start doing that at worship, uh, to say that at a worship night. I need to calm down. I'm on fire, man. Like, um, and I like to pace if you've never seen me before. So I got to back this up because we're liable to knock this thing down or I'm liable to fall off here. One or the other. But, uh, um, since that time, I'm not saying like it was just me, but I mean, it's God. Like, there's been uh, testimony of cancer being healed during worship. There's a little girl filled with the Holy Spirit. She wanted to come up and talk to Kirsty. Like, just as she was worshiping, she was filled. And I believe, uh, curse, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that there's tongues, everything. Like, there was a complete, full baptism of the Holy Spirit. Nobody laid hands on her. Nothing. Same thing with the worship. Uh, the guy that was healed of cancer with um, during worship. No hands, just God. Right? I love it. Last night it rooted. I heard there's another testimony uh, spoken about uh, time during worship uh, that a voice kept cracking out, like she kept wanting to um, 
like sing and praise God louder and her voice kept cracking out during worship. She was healed. I don't know if there's hands laid at that time or not. Um, Fourth of July. Fourth of July. Was her hands laid? Yeah. Hands laid down, laid on you. Okay. So during worship, there's hands laid on her to for her voice healed voice. Don't crack out no more. She can actually praise Jesus the way she wants to praise him. Right? So this is what I ask. So I believe it's going to happen as start happening as minute as the ministry ministry is happening as whoever's speaking up here i'm saying it prophetically it's going to start happening so if you start feeling like a burning in a shoulder that you've been having hurting or something like that or you start feeling heat or something that's that's god if you start feeling something moving or or anything like that i don't care what like it don't matter if you want to raise your hand whatever but this is what i do ask is i want you to start writing these down on note cards because there's so many testimonies happening. We're starting to want, or we're wanting to start documenting these. Okay. I'm not joking. Like God is moving. All right. In this church, there's miracles, signs and wonders happening. And we want to be able to find a way to get those out to everybody. Right. Because in times of need, like you hear that testimony and you say, do it again, God. We had one this morning. Uh, when we were praying, um, one of the one uh, one of the ladies back there in the back, when we were uh, getting ready, grouped grouped up and going through the rundown, I guess is what they call it. Um, one of their dear friends is in the hospital. His heart stopped. Right? They got his heart beating again, but they're having to breathe for him. Okay. Testimony: Me and Kirsty's youngest son, Titus was born, heart beating, no breath, for three minutes. At three minutes, and how I know three minutes, is they were counting off every 30 seconds. We're at one minute now, we're at minute 30, and they're sitting there bagging him, right? And at three minutes, three seconds into me praying in tongues, because it just hit me right at three minutes to start praying in a tongue, he took his first breath. So guess what? We prayed this morning, do it again, God. Do it again to, to the man in the hospital right now that the machines ain't got to breathe for him. So, and the, the breath of life, the breath of God will be in him, right? For those of you who don't know, um, Kirsty, the amazing worship leader, that's my wife. <laughs> She's my better half. And, uh, so honored to have her back. She was gone this uh, last weekend at a, a, a songwriting deal. Uh, my kids, kids had to do some forced fasts because, you know, it's all right. I thought I had time to get them breakfast, but it turned out to end up being lunch. They ate good at lunch. You know what I'm saying? They ate all their food. It was worth it, you know. But she's, she's awesome. I'm so fired up for her coming back. She got a newness, a freshness to her. And I'm excited to see what God does out of that. So, so let's go ahead and pray real quick. So, Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, we just lift your name up here, Father. Father, I just invite your Holy Spirit just to move. <sighs> move freely, Father. And do what you do. Father, I ask, Lord, that you just touch the coals of my lips, Father God, that there would be, that there'd be a freshness of the words that come out of me, Father God, that there'd be words, that there'd be things that I haven't even heard yet because you're speaking directly through me, Father God. <clears throat> and Father, I pray that any word that is not of you, that it fall dead to the ground, Father. 
Father, we just give you all the glory and honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, a while back, like, God started, like, I just started hearing, like, in my spirit, just the word position, position. And I was like, all right, and then identity started coming, and, and, um, and I'm big on identity um, because that changed my life when I found out that when I was healed of the orphan spirit and figured out that I was a son, like a true son of God. And so I'm huge on identity already. And I was like, all right, God, what are you trying to show me here with positioning and with a position and identity and, and all of this, um, you know, everything that you're trying to speak to me. And um, sorry. When I was back there drumming, this thing was trying to give me a COVID test up my nose. It kept popping. So still trying to pop up on me. So, um, but, and I just started thinking about that. I was like, you know, position, we got football. I never knew much about football. I didn't play football. I rode bulls. My dad always said, hey, you want to ride bulls very long, you better take care of your body in other sports. Do sports that ain't going to be so hard on your body. So I didn't play football. So Trayson, he plays football. He's, he's a football fanatic. And, um. He's, he's amazing. I get to brag on him. I love him so much. Uh, last night, he hurt his ankle within the first uh, possession of the, of the other team having it. They taped it up, and as soon as he, taped, he gets it taped up, um, he goes out there and gets two sacks and, a, and another tackle within that same possession. I'm like, yeah, that's my boy. Like, you know, my, if I had buttons on my shirt last night, it was start snapping them, you know what I mean? That's, that's my son right there, standing next to this big old muscle-bound guy. He's all upset because he's on, his kid was on the other team. But uh, anyways, like, position, like, Trayson was in position last night, you know what I mean? Like, and they were working on him. I could hear, even though I had to be in the stands last night, which drove me nuts because um, I'm a pacer. Even I get wound up when my son's playing football. And... Um, but I could hear him talking, and, and, they're, and they're guiding him in the position. Hey, move out. Hey, do this. There's a position that he needed to be in. And I have to talk to him all the time because sometimes he don't get those sacks. But yet it took two, two other linemen to block him. And so it freed up another guy. And then his, his, the other guy on his team goes in and gets a sack. And I'm like, man, you have to understand that, like, even though you didn't get that sack, like, you were in position. You were doing what you needed to do. You know, and then I thought about military. I wasn't in the military, but I know enough about it that, like, and even law enforcement, like, I wasn't law enforcement, so correct me. You can stand up and correct me um, if, if I'm wrong. But, like, there are certain positions. If you go in clearing, do we got any military or law enforcement here. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. When you go in clearing a house, like there's certain positions and if you mess up, you can cost your whole your whole your whole team. You have to be in position. You have to be in position to know what's going on. Your position will be the thing that like reveals what has to happen, right? I started, I was like, all right, God, so I understand position this, position that, position in, in work. Like, we got positions that we, that we try getting promoted to with work. Then he started talking to me about how Adam and Eve, he positioned them. He put them in the garden. There was nothing that they could do to be in the garden. 
Because he positioned them there, right? But then as he started showing me that it was their choice that removed them out. They chose to be moved out. Basically, right? They didn't say, hey, like, God, I don't want to be here no more. Um, I, I want to go out and outside the garden. No, like, he told them not to do something or this would happen. And, like, there's choice that happened there, right? And so now there's nothing that we can do work-wise to gain that guard and place back, Right? And what I'm saying about guard and place is, is that Jesus come to restore everything that Adam and Eve lost, right? Everything, right? He was enough. If he wasn't, God would still be sending another, another savior, right? Everything that he did was enough. And so there was nothing that we can do to get placed and positioned back into the garden, into the life that God called us to have down here on earth. But there is a position. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to, comes to the Father except through me. He's the gateway, right? So we have to position ourselves to start going through that gate. So many times in Scripture... I'm, man, I better watch where I'm going here. So many times in Scripture, like there's a healing that happens... And Jesus said, you're, you're, you know, I might be, don't mark my words here, okay? But it was like this. Uh, your faith has made you well. Now go and tell, you know, the Pharisees or go and tell the leaders that you were blind and now you can see. And he couldn't see. And then it says, and as he was going, he was healed, Right? So there's, there's a position, there's a movement, there has to be, you have to move to a position. You see, some of you guys, a lot of you guys might know this, but I got I to cover it just in case. Uh, September 3rd, me and Kirstie lost another baby. And I say another one because we lost Boaz back in 2018, and a lot of you guys know that one. And it was so different this time. There was, there was a different peace. There was a, it was, it was just crazy. Like we thought for sure that we were going to see a miracle. I mean, numerous people, I hear, I hear Pastor Mark just say, amen. And he was one of them who called us and said, there's something different. And the only thing that we can attribute it to is there's a positioning that happened. Because when, with Boaz, we were orphans. We'd been coming to church here for a long time, but yet we were still running about in, this, in the church with an orphan spirit. We truly didn't have deep revelation of who our father was and how we, how we were sons and, and daughters to him. But this time we were praying from a position of being a son and a daughter. And I believe that, that all of you who prayed with us was in the same way. You, you were in that position of praying as a son and daughter. Like there's been a shift that's happened since then. And when I say a peace, like, I mean, like, a peace like I can't describe. Turn with me to Philippians 4, 6.
Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your, requ- let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's the second time during, during that time, about a month ago, almost a month ago, that I've ever felt that. The peace that surpasses all understanding. The first time was when I just talked about it with Titus. When he, when he come out not breathing. He, he, they were bagging him and his arms were flopping. Heart was still beating, his arms were flopping. And I just had this peace over me, this heavenly peace. It was the closest thing that I could ever say that I walked heaven on earth. With Asher, now there is a peace to us. There's so much peace in, in, our, in our hearts, and our lives. Like, yeah, did we, did we struggle at times? Yeah, did we get emotional at times? Yeah. But on the same token, during the storm, there was peace. The peace that surpasses all knowledge and understanding. And I was like, so after all this happened, I, like I was at work just playing worship music, and this started downloading in me. And he started talking to me about the positioning of a son and a daughter, of knowing Him. Because if you jump back just a couple verses there in Philippians 4, in verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So there's a thing that starts happening before that peace that surpasses all knowledge and understanding. There's a rejoicing that that happens, right? We have to know who he is in a true Jesus, all right? The Jesus that like makes believing believers. Does that make sense? Because we can be unbelieving believers. We can have the ticket to say, yeah, I believe that there's a God. I believe Jesus because that's all I've known. And so I'm going to heaven. But everything else, uh, that's pretty far-fetched. So we can be an unbelieving believer. But we have to be, get move into a position that we can understand Him and know Him. See, turn with me to Luke 19, 1 through 10. We're going to have quite a few scriptures here, so I don't want to have to move. I, I thought this message was going to be short. All right, 19, starting here in verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was, he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He is gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything 
from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to his house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. See, Zacchaeus couldn't see because he was surrounded by his peers, because he was short in stature. See, and when I read that scripture, I can't, I can't help but to think about how some of us may not be able to see the true Jesus because Zacchaeus was a son of Abraham, right? So he knew, like I'm sure he knew, he was just an outcast. He was, he was a tax collector, right? How many of you guys have been t- uh, outcast? I was talking to one guy, and he said, man, the last church I went to, he said, they wouldn't let me serve because I'd been in jail. I said, man, we wouldn't have nobody serving here probably, you know? <laughs> just being real. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure not everybody. I'm, uh, don't, don't get offended if you serve here and you haven't been to jail, and I'm saying you've been to jail. I'm sure there's people that ain't been to jail here. But I'm just saying there's a handful of us that have, and I'm one of them, all right? So, anyways, Zacchaeus was an outcast. And he couldn't see because of his peers around him. So what did he do? He went and positioned himself up into a tree so that he could see, that he could get a better view of the real Jesus. And I read in this commentary that when he's talking about, Lord, if, if I've took too much, or, you know, I, I can go back and read it, but just for the sake of time, if I've took too much, I'll pay back four folds. And, and they said that he just wasn't even like giving the restitution. He was already giving more. And so that was a sign of complete repentance that was happening in him. You see, sometimes we get these, we get these, uh, spiritual theologies out of our families, out of our peers, because that's all we can see. We get these, we start making these golden calves. If you know what I'm talking about, golden calves in, in Egypt, before Moses come down with the, with the Ten Commandments, they, he, they were waiting on him, and because it wasn't in their time and it wasn't in their way, they started making up this golden calf to, make, to worship him as a god. You see, golden calves can't live in the same house of the Lord. We have to start kicking these golden calves over. There's, there's all these golden calf theologies that happen. And, and when you guys, when I start talking about these, you guys are going to know. You guys are going to, you're going to be like, yeah, I even said that. Trust me, I've said them too. All right? You probably can even name five people that said them in the last month. But when they start talking about tragedy happens, sickness happens because it's the will of God. Because God's in control, right? But God is in control and He gave us the free will. So if He was in control, you couldn't be mad at Him or you wouldn't have a choice. And if God did that, why are you going to a doctor to fight against His will? You hear me? I mean, seriously, why would we have doctors... If we believe that God wanted us to have all these sicknesses. I heard the other day that, you see, the, the hospitals have, have replaced the church. Because the sick used to come to the church. See, we've got to kick that golden calf down. 
because Jesus, it says in Hebrews 1, 3, this is in the English Standard Version, Jesus, speaking of Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. The exact imprint of his nature. Jesus also said, if you see me, you see the Father. How many times did you see Jesus strike? A, I mean, come on now. He, he called those kids up. He wanted to love them, and then he wanted to strike them dead. Is that true? Absolutely not. He says, bring the children to me. Why? Because he wanted to love them. He says, bring the sick to me. Why? Because he wanted to just watch them die? No, because he wanted to heal them. What is the will of the Father? Jesus come and did the will of the Father. Why was Jesus going against the Father's will? Why, if it was the Father's will for all the sicknesses and all that to happen, then why did Jesus come and heal them and, do, and go against the Father's will? We have, to, we have to kick that golden calf over. We can't be living on that it's His will. Because when you go into prayer and supplication, when you're looking for that peace that surpasses all knowledge and understanding, you can't be saying, God, I know... I know that you're the one that gave us this sickness. I know that you're the one that struck our baby Asher dead. But please raise him from the dead. No, you have to know that he come to defeat the work of the devil. Amen. And yes, the work of the devil has happened. And yes, I don't have full understanding and answers for everything. But I know this, God is good. And we have to position ourselves into a tree sometimes to get above from where all of our peers are trying to talk to us and all the religion that's around us. Trust me, I was raised in religion too. I'm not knocking it. There is good things in it. But let me tell you something. Randy Clark said it took him seven years after he went through seminary to, be, to get the fullness of the spirit of uh, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Seven years after he went through seminary. We can't lose the power of God through our knowledge. Let me tell you something. Our circumstances does not change the word of God. Our circumstances, me and Kirstie's circumstance over the last month and a half does not change. I'm not going to go and rewrite the word of God and make some powerless gospel and start standing up here and try preaching to you guys a powerless gospel because that is not the true gospel. I'm getting off on there. Like, I don't even know where I'm at. <laughs> we also talk about mysteries of God. God works in mysterious ways, brother. Colossians 2, 2 through 3 says, That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit tighter in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It says, attaining to all riches and full assurance of understanding. It is our position, our responsibility to be in position to start having the mysteries revealed to us. Yeah. It's, not, it's not the God saying, oh, I, I'm not going to tell you that. No. Nah. That's my secret. That's my mystery. He wants it. He sent his Holy Spirit. Jesus died. He said he had to go and be with the Father so he can send the helper. The Holy Spirit. And through divine revelation, there's going to be 
mysteries revealed. I didn't write this one down, so I hope I said this right. There's a, there's a scripture in Proverbs that talks about that the glory of the Lord is hidden, and it, for the kings, it is their it is the glory of the kings to seek out that. Right? Guys, we have to be willing to climb that sycamore tree. We have to be willing to say, you know what? I went to Catholic church all my life. But if Jesus, and I'm not saying be wishy-washy on what you believe, okay? I'm saying get a firm foundation, but I'm saying get a firm foundation on the true Jesus. Do not allow some theology, some made-up thing because they don't understand it, be your belief. Replace the Word of God. Don't let it. Kick those calves over. See, and then the other one is everything happens for a reason. You're right, it does. Every choice has a consequence. I remember when I was a drunken heathen, and I was like, oh, and I knew some scriptures, right? I mean, I'd sit up talking about them two or three in the morning, drunk. We'd sit on the porch. Yeah, I sure am glad that God won't ever put me through anything that I can't handle. Guess what? That's a scripture in one of the Corinthians. Read them both, and you'll find it. I can't remember which one it is. But, um, but anyways, read them. You'll read it. I'm not joking. It's there. Um, but that's what I used to say. Boy, I sure, God must think I'm surely tough because he, I, I know he won't ever put me through what I can't handle. But man, I'm, he's putting me through a bunch right now. You know what I mean? He, he must think I'm pretty tough. He must think I'm tougher than what I am. He wasn't putting me through that. That was my own choice. That was my own choice. I remember talking to a friend. He says, man, I sure wish the cops would quit chasing me. I said, brother, I said, let me tell you something. I said, when I quit breaking the law, the cops quit chasing me. It was easy. I mean, they don't just decide, hey, I'm going to come chase you down. Like, things happen because we make choices too. And I'm not saying that like sick, all sicknesses and all that stuff happen because of our choices. I'm not saying that, right? I'm not saying that uh, me and Kirsty did something wrong and that's why like our baby, like we lost our baby. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying like that's a theology, right? That happens, that's spoken a lot and we need to kick that calf down. Because what happens with these theologies is like people start leaving the church. They're mad at God. I would be too. I, rem- I seriously remember when my dad, I was, I was 20 years old. My dad, he, died, he was dying of cancer. And, and we went and, our, and the pastor prayed over him. If it's your will, let him be uh, healed. If it's your will to take him, take him in peace. And my dad kept suffering and suffering and suffering. And I got mad at God. I was like, God, if you're going to take him, take him. Don't let him sit there and suffer. Don't let him sit there in pain. Like, I don't understand if this is your will, why, you have, why you're having him go through so much pain. See, I, see, these theologies not only make the powerless gospel, but they also make people leave out of resentment and anger and hurt. See, Mark seven thirteen says, speaking of the things that we do, it says, making the word of God to no effect 
through the traditions which we have handed down. Our traditions will make the word of God to no effect. We have to be willing to kick those calves down. We have to be willing to climb up in that sycamore tree and get a better view of the true Jesus. Can everybody say, just get in position? Because there's another position that I'd like to talk to you about too. Turn with me to Luke 10, 38. Starting here in 38, it says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with, with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Turn with me real quick to John 12, because I want to cover this with Mary again. I believe that it's separate. I might get corrected later. So, Pastor, if I'm wrong here, you can correct it. But I think that this happened again here in John 12. And why I say this is because it was Martha's house, and now we're going to Lazarus' house, right? So Matthew 12, 1, it says, Then six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus, Lazarus, man, I can't say that word or that name, was one of the, those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a, a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, I'm just going to stop there. So the position that Mary was willing to be at, okay? I thought about this last night as I was putting this together. I was like, man, Jesus, like, was, did Jesus get dirty? Was his feet dirty? Because he wore Jesus sandals. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? But she was willing to be down at his feet because she knew who he was. And there's a position of worship. There's a position of adoration of the king. That even dirty feet ain't going to matter. Because there's, there's a thing that happens. I mean, even in the Old Testament, like you can read about it, how they would send out the worshiper. The worshipers were the Marines. The worshipers were, were the ones on the front lines. They were sent out before like the other warriors, right? Things change when, it ha- when, it, when, it, when worship happens. We have to see him from the sycamore tree to know what type of God we're worshiping, right? But when we see that, worship comes so easy. 
See, and, and one thing that happens, though, is sometimes we get so wrapped up in ourselves that during worship, it's not even true worship. See, during Rooted, for those of you who don't know, we have a, uh, here at the church, we got a discipleship class that Kirsty and I uh, lead, and last night was worship, was the topic of worship, and Kirsty was uh, taught on it last night, and I, she asked me, hey, can you go through the notes, make sure, you know, uh, make sure I didn't see nothing or whatever. I'm like, girl, you, you're way far beyond me. But anyways, I'll read it, what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and I copied some of her notes. She don't even know that I did this. Because I was like, dang, girl. She says, Our worship to Him is not and cannot be based off of our emotions. If we are basing it off of our emotion, then we are making worship about us and falsely worshiping the one who is intended to be worshipped. When we know the nature of our daddy's heart, we want to thank him and glorify his name. We want to pour our hearts to him in adoration. Right after that, there's another note, right? I was like, dang, she's bringing the heat. (laughs) Worship is not about us. We have made worship about us, our preferences, our tastes, our comforts, our opinions... We have made it about ministering our needs and coddling our self-centered opinions, bringing the heat, when we make it about us. What we communicate to God is that worship is for us. When we worship for us, we become the object of worship, and we don't want that. See, so many times we, we want to just go to worship him because we want to receive something back see mary sat at his feet and it says in in the luke scripture it talked about how she sat and heard his words guess what you're going to you're going to receive you're going to hear from you're going to hear from him okay i promise you but our hearts have to be willing and have to be in the place in the position of adoration to the Him. We adore Him. And I promise you, like, I'm going to say this, okay? Men, when I say adore Him, if that makes your butt cringe, it's okay. But when you truly find who He is, adoration's so easy. It's not about being tough. Like I said, if you want to be tough, start worshiping because they were the ones who went out on the front lines. Don't worry about trying to be the warrior this, warrior that. Be, be a worshiper, and he'll send you out before, in the front lines. Somebody say, get in position. i got to hurry up. Somebody say, hurry up. <laughs> uh, where am I at? John uh, 13. Let's go to one more, one more scripture here. Long scripture, at least. This was actually showed to me in a book, so I can't take credit of this one, but it is something that is so huge that I feel like, I'm like, wow, when I read this, okay? So John 13, 18. This whole chapter is so full of everything. I mean, right before this is when Jesus is washing the feet of the disciples, 
And Peter's like, oh, no, not me, Lord. You ain't going to wash me. And he's like, well, if, I, if I'm not the one that cleanses you, you're not part of me. And he's like, not just my feet, my head, everything. And that's what I feel like we should be in position for more of him, whatever it is. Whatever you want to do to us, just do it. Because why? Because we trust him. Why? Because his heart's good. Why? Because he's a good God. And then he rolls into, from washing the feet, he says in 18, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send and receives me, I send, receives me, and he who receives me, receives him who sent me. When Jesus had said these things, he he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, "Most, most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Okay, so we're setting the, of when this happened, okay? This is the last supper. Then the, then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? I'm going to stop right there. Because right now he's, he's revealing you know, Judas Iscariot, who's going to betray him, right? But the thing that I want to point out here is that the one whom Jesus loved had his head up against his chest, right? He was, that disciple was in a position that his head was against the king's chest and just sitting there, listening to his heartbeat. To the point that Peter, sitting right in front of Jesus, listening, I mean, he was in earshot because he heard it all, Jesus speaking to him, he couldn't even ask Jesus. He asked the one whose head was against the chest, right? And then that's when the one whom Jesus loves leans back and asks Jesus, who is this? Who is it? That disciple was John. We're in the book of John. So John wrote this, right? So is John being conceited? The one that Jesus loved. Come on now, it's for real. It's like, we got to think here like, John wrote this, and, and is Jesus a respecter of men? Does Jesus love more, love somebody more than the others? But John writes in his book, the one that Jesus loves. I challenge you today to think about this, that he was writing out of a position of not his love for him, but his love for him. It was a position that he knew the heart of the Father, knew his heart was good. And he was writing it saying, the one that Jesus loves. Because he knew 
his love for him. He knew that he was a good, good king. He knew he was not the one that, that casts sickness and disease on people. He knew that he was not the one that breaks apart marriages. He knew that he was not the one that brought about, uh, brought about depression so that people would go and commit suicide or they'd struggle with suicide. And in the name of Jesus, we break off suicide right now. Suicidal thoughts in the name of Jesus. He knew because he was the one who Jesus loved. See, there's a position. There's a position that we show our love to him in worship. There's a position that we show our adoration to him in worship. But then there's a position to sit on it with our heads up against his chest that we can just receive his love. That we can just hear his heartbeat, hear his passion for us. When I talk about this, I remember sitting, I, sit, I got this picture of me sitting on my dad's lap. I was probably 10 years old, and I was just sitting back, and you can see in this picture, I'm just like, relax, nothing could bother me. I remember, like, I didn't care. I, I remember in my wild days, like, like, I knew that if I needed backup, my dad would back me up. And I mean, there was one time, literally, where it was, I knew I was walking into a bad situation, and my dad was walking in with me, and I did not care. I would have been outnumbered probably, I mean, I had a couple buddies with me. I would have been outnumbered by probably 50 to 6. And I did not care because there was one who was with me. Because I knew my dad's love for me, I would not go down without him. Get in position. Because it's in these positions that I talk about that we can sit there as Philippians 4, 4, 4 talks, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's that positioning that we will see that peace. It's that positioning that we'll be able to rejoice in Him without question. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus, Father. Father, we just uh, thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness to us, Father. And Father, we thank you, Father, for sending your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. And we thank you, Father, for, for you wanting to commune with us, that we, that we would have heaven on earth, that you want your will to be here on earth through us, that you partner with us. We just thank you for it, Father. Father, I just thank you right now, Father, for speaking to anybody in here that has not accepted your, your love, that has not accepted your gift. See, I want to talk to you guys real quick that all of us have, all of us have fallen short. And just like Zacchaeus was up in that tree and, and Jesus come and when he seen the true Jesus he, he received salvation 
And if I want to invite you today that if you have never, <clears throat> never accepted that, accepted what Jesus done for you, never confessed him as Lord, and you want to do that today, please raise your hand. See ya. Yes, Lord. Anybody else? See ya. Sir, I seen you. The gentleman that just raised his hand, I seen you. In the beginning, I want to tell you that Jesus said he was well pleased with you. So the second thing I want to invite is, is if you have received him, but you've been stuck down amongst your peers and you've been listening to your peers and all that stuff, and you've kind of backslid a little bit away from him, or maybe what you always followed was the religion and we just had to kick over some of those calves today. And you want to rededicate and you want to say, Jesus, I want all of you. I want the true Jesus. I want everything flowing in my life. Please raise your hand. I see you. I see your hands up everywhere, 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 everywhere. So, Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus, Father God. I lift up the two that raise their hands, Father God, that accept you right now, that confess you as Lord, that I thank you for their salvation. That as they see you, Father God, they, they see the true Jesus and that there is instant salvation, Father God. And I thank you for all the hearts that, that Father, that they felt that like they backslid. Yeah, I see your hand. That, that, um, <clears throat> that felt like they backslid, that wanted to rededicate. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you radically fill them, that you radically hit them in a way that they've never been hit before, Father. Father, more, God, more. When I was putting this word together, i got to hurry. When I was putting this word together, I don't know who this is for. If, it, if I might, I might have missed it, but I was talking to Lynette one time a while back and I was like, how do I know if it's me or if it's God? And she goes, well, do you think about these random things? I'm like, just on your own time? I'm like, no. And she's like, it's probably God. So this is going to be, this is going to sound funny. I seen bananas and I seen light blue and pink pearls rolling out from underneath the bananas. Okay. So if that's you, I would love to pray with you up here. Okay. The other thing was Numbers 1286. Don't know if that's you. I would love to pray with you. I got one minute. If there's anybody in here that needs prayer for healing, uh, any type of healing, whatever, I would love to join with the prayer team. We're going to have prayer team up here. I'd love to pray with you. He is here. His spirit's here to heal you. So, Father, we just uh, thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your heart and your love for us, Father God. We exalt you. We glorify you, Father God. We magnify you. You are so holy. And we say all these things and pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.